Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to attend the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to attend the Channelized Bing Bingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from Talk Sport. Game day. Premier League preview show. Driving home for Christmas, the Premier League foursome have swished their way into the latter stages of the Champions League like the pleats of a sequin party dress. You got yours ready, Nicole? I do. Good. Uh, for the next two months, they can concentrate solely now on the Premier League. Arsenal and Manchester United can start doing some late-night shopping now their Thursday nights are unoccupied for a while and they have massive games this weekend. Meet the tactical tinkerers who have lit the path to panicking Pep. Watford have got a new boss and as left-field appointments go... This is hugging the touchline. D-Day for Pellegrini. He has to beat Southampton on Saturday or he'll be driving home for Christmas. Chelsea take on Bournemouth, who have lost five in a row. Sheffield United look to continue their rise against Villa. Leaping Lords Leicester face Norwich and the Eagles face the Seagulls on Monday Night Football. All ten games delivered to your ears and a few dream team tips for your perusal. It's the game day preview from TalkSport. And with me, the former Wales captain, Cumbran's favourite son. Is that what you say? Cumbran? Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Yeah. I, I say that because you turned on the Christmas lights in your hometown I this did. year, oh. didn't you? How do you know that? Ah. <laughs> Very creepy. Very yeah. creepy. Detective Inspector. You know what, I was really, what I thought was really interesting was is that, uh, that you were the headline act as well, weren't you? I Despite was. the presence of X Factor's Sam Bailey. Wow. Was he there as well? She. I, no. I feel honoured. I, 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 is it a he or a she? I don't know. It's a she. It's a she. I All right. Okay. Either. So you. Wow. So you're that big time in Cumbria. It was a big thing you, for me. It was a big thing for me. But you turned up right at the end after all those minor acts had finished. Yeah. Yeah. They've been after me for a while. To be fair. Have they? So, yeah. And they yeah. only just got you now. Yeah. Wow. Magic. And uh, Nicole Holiday's here as well. She turned on her own lights uh, for the first time for a little while and come out from under the duvet because Arsenal won a game in a Premier <laughs> League match for the first time this season by two goals. Oh, I know. It's felt like such a long time. But you know what? It was an awful game. So how can you even be that happy You know what? With it? I'm glad they won Arsenal because I don't think she would have turned up. I know. <laughs> not, yeah, nah, nah. Not, not after the activity in the WhatsApp group. You're not wrong. Nope. <laughs> uh, this weekend, Talk Sports Game Day brings you live football back to back. Liverpool against Watford, Chelsea, Bournemouth and Southampton, West Ham. They're all live on Premier League Live around the world as well and we will focus on those in just a moment. But first of all, Jolly Ollie is ready to welcome Big Dunk into the deep end. Back to Martial from James. Squeezes in at the near post. Anthony Martial and it's 2-0 to Manchester United. And on a day of heavyweight contest, the champs have been hit with an absolute haymaker. Of course, it affects moods uh, when you get results. But uh, it's still windy and cold out there, as I said. The landscape doesn't change that much. It's uh, on to the next one. Back heel to Tom Davis. He's got a chance, Davis. He's still got a chance. Calvin Lewin, 3 1. 
the touchline, punching the air. Manchester United looking to win three consecutive Premier League matches for the first time since winning their first six under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer back in January. Now, these are two heroes of the early 2000s, leading their clubs out at Old Trafford. Duncan Ferguson did brilliantly in his first game at Goodison Park. But can Everton take that on to Old Trafford, Danny, do you think? I think it's going to be a difficult one because, as you mentioned there, Sam, um, United's form in the minute's very good. I think it's five and beaten they are now. Obviously, that statement win last weekend against Man City, um, which we didn't see coming, I have to say. Mm. Um, but <laughs> You didn't see we'll, coming. We'll get to that in a minute. We'll get to that, yeah. <laughs> But now they are outstanding. Um, you know their home form has been fairly good this season. United just the one home loss. So I'm more intrigued to see what Everton do going away from home. I think obviously your first game in charge, Duncan Ferguson. Obviously he rallied the troops. He got them going. They were they were running. They were fighting. They were tackling. Um, obviously they they bullied Chelsea and got the win. But can you then go to United and kind of do that? Play four four two. Try and run around. Get after them. Uh, press them and do a similar thing or will he maybe tactically change things and you know maybe sit back a little bit and play on the counter attack because I think the way United are playing at the minute particularly with that front three uh, if you go chasing them and ha harrying them and, and they play through then the front three can be really dangerous and punish you so. and the other thing he did brilliantly last week was he utilised the crowd didn't he he sucked yeah. every ounce of atmosphere yeah. at Goodison Park obviously that's not going to be available to him this weekend yeah I mean he was absolutely buzzing wasn't he and I think you know as a, a neutral fan it was actually really nice to see and look he got everyone behind him and the team looked good Dominic Calvert-Lewin was, was very good he did very well he was strong and you could see how much uh, scoring meant to him and he ran over to Big Dunk and you know it was it was quite lovely to see and I think Everton have needed it massively because obviously we all know that they're struggling this season um, and it was yeah it, it was great but this is going to be a very very tough game um, but interesting because they'll be feeling a bit more confident now Everton going into this but of course Manchester United are off the back of beating Spurs, beating City, uh, two big games. So they're going to be going into this feeling very confident too. So it's going to be it's going to be a, an epic game, I think. Look, United were excellent against Manchester City, mm. and we need to address this. We need to address yeah. the elephant in the room. Uh, he's not here, uh, the elephant <laughs> that's usually in the room, Alex Crook. But he did say this last week. Manchester United's best form of defence is attack. They've got players in Rashford and Daniel James who can really hurt. T to me, what is not a great Manchester City defence. Rashford, as I say, is the big game player. He will turn it on again. McTominay uh, can boss the midfield like he did against Tottenham. Danny, how do we get out Humble of that? <laughs> We're struggling. There's yeah. nothing we can do. There's no, there's no spin here, is there? No. We can't, we, there's no way we can talk our way out of this. He is a United fan, though, so I think that's why mm. we thought... Yeah. Bias. You know, why you, yeah, bias towards yeah. his, his We just thought team. he was being over-optimistic, yeah. didn't we? No. Yeah. Well, we were wrong. And you he was were wrong. wrong. We were, we were wrong. We were I, absolutely wrong. I said exactly the same on the Friday night game day countdown show. I was saying that I was backing United just because, hear me out. Well, I mean, you've seen the result now anyway. But Pep, City, they are under pressure. And, and because United beat Spurs and because they've had a poor season, I feel like no one was expecting them to beat City. You're not. You, you kind of had written them off straight away. So they were going into it with, with advantage. Two games away from the sack, yeah. as someone said to well, him in the press the conference yeah. going into the Tottenham game. I went to the Tottenham game and I went to the Manchester City match as well. Um, and he needed to get, they said, he needed to get three points out of these games or at some point or he needed to get a couple of points out to stop 
the sack from being impending. And he was, he's won both of them. Yeah. And he's done it with great counter-attacking mm. football. Marcus Rashford has been absolutely so sensational. But Daniel James, I think, has been excellent mm-hmm. as well because one of the things that he does is he gives you the outlet on the other side. You've got Rashford, who's great at running with the ball. But James hugs a touchline over on the far side and he's unbelievable speed frightens everybody. Angelino had an awful game <laughs> against him on Saturday. Yeah, he's, he's done really well, Daniel James. Um, someone who I watched a lot last season at Swansea. And do, do you know where he's from, where he was born? I think he's born in Hull. Oh. I think. <laughs> oh, so he can't... Cumbran are not going to be no. knocking on his door for switching no. on the, no. the Christmas lights. Because um, he's he Welsh, was, isn't he? I yeah, mean, I think he was actually at Hull as a youngster and I think Swansea got him in as a youngster but I mean the improvement from him is incredible in a short space of time and I kind of said it when he got the move to United as well you know people were saying is it a good time to go to United the dress room's broken you know a young player going in I actually said the opposite I thought it was a good time because I felt he would go in and get a lot of game time and probably less pressure I don't think anybody there was no real expectation on United to win the league or you know hopefully maybe you know, qualify for the Champions League but um, I think as a young player going into that dressing room then there's a bit less pressure on you if United had won the league and there were world class players all around you you'd feel a bit mm. do I belong here I'm not so sure would he get the game time but whereas it's been he the opposite. walks in gone yeah. this is what I can I'm do the main man and he's yeah. realised he's actually probably one yeah. of the better yeah, players yeah. holding his own for sure but what, what are you going to do about Everton and, and uh, their situation with the manager big dunk if he wins against Manchester United the calls will be there from <laughs> well, the, the crowd to I give know. it to him but is that a sensible thing to do no. Ancelotti Ancelotti's available well right? I know but would he go there I mean this is the thing this is the problem though with the Premier League right now is we've seen so many managerial sackings already in the first few months and a few more that could be coming that there there don't seem to be enough uh, great managers to sort of then come in to replace those managers. Look, he's he's obviously had a great first, first game with them. If they did win again, obviously everyone will be absolutely thrilled. But... You can't, you can't tell yet. It's to look at what, what happened with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer at the start. You know, uh, Everton have won just one of their last twenty-six Premier League away matches against Manchester United. Manchester United on a cracking run of form. Right, City have been rumbled. Of all the tactical genii to have stumbled on the perfect formula to panic Pep, Steve Bruce and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer have done it. And less surprisingly, I suppose Nuno Espirito Santo this season. And Daniel Farker. Um, they've developed a plan that is yielding results. Pin the fullbacks, commit men forward, counter-attack with pace. Uh, is that the recipe to beat Manchester City or has Guardiola and his team just got complacent? I think it's a combination of a lot of things, really. Um, you look in the summer, they didn't do too much business after um, having an amazing season, winning a title, of course. They didn't really bring anybody in. You could argue Liverpool didn't buy in as well and look what they're doing. Mm. But um, I think the injuries, obviously Laporte um, hasn't helped. I think they have lost a little bit of that hunger and, and driving edge, which is understandable a little bit. When you have a season that they did have last season, you are quite worried as a manager the, the, net, the following season then because... You know, you're looking at your players and saying, can we go again? Mm. Um, are you going to get a bit complacent? How do I freshen things up? Mm. How do I change things? But they should have done that in the summer then, shouldn't they? I mean, I spoke yeah. to him recently and he said to me, you know, it's very difficult to win. You look back at the history of the Premier League. No one ever wins it three times. Well, not very often anyway. United have done that. But very few teams actually in the top flight of English football going back 120 years have ever done that. Yeah. And he's right. 
So it does beg the question, then, why didn't you put more money into it in the summer? Yeah, I mean, they didn't really replace company either. And then now with their injury problems, it's, you know, it, it was bound to happen, I guess, because they've got great squad depth. But to a certain point, when you're then missing a lot of your crucial defence, you're, you're going to struggle. Um, but something, it feels like a spark has kind of yeah. gone there a little bit. And, and I feel like Pep, he's being so cagey in all his press conferences with the media and something Stroke irritable. Yeah, something. And and it's kind of understandable because people keep nagging him and asking him about the title race. And I I get it, but essentially something has dropped off. Something isn't quite clicking Mm. right now. He's getting outclassed tactically Mm. by managers as well, which... Well, that's what I just mentioned. Yeah. Steve Bruce. Oh, he's got a soul show. Mm-hmm. Unheard of. That's um, not something you would have expected at the beginning of no, the season. No. Not at um, all from City. But they, they don't look together as a team. You know, the way, the goals they've conceded, obviously getting hit on the counter-attack constantly. You, people talk about them defensively. That midfield's not right in a it's minute either. It's basic numbers though, Danny, yeah. isn't it? I mean, I see it with my own eyes and I haven't done the counting this week, but I've done it a few times watching them back on match of the day. You look at the goals that they concede and the opposition just seem to have more numbers yeah. on the edge of their own penalty, on, on the edge of the Manchester City penalty than Manchester City. Yeah. And, looks- and ultimately, that is a problem. It looks like an organisational thing. The team don't look as if they're probably running as hard as they were. Um, David Silva, I think, is obviously it's his last season. He's not been as influential this season. Um, Rodri's come in and he's a very good player don't get me wrong um, but he's not Fernandinho Fernandinho in there he I mean, he makes those cute fouls and stops a lot of those counter-attacks mm. but they haven't had him in there and they just they just don't look organised at the minute which is crazy really you know a Pep Guardiola team mm-hmm. now Arsenal oh, who God. are their opponents Here we go. this weekend <laughs> the bit I look forward to I mean they're not even Jekyll and Hyde are they they're Jekyll and Hyde <gasps> and Hyde uh, I mean, they were. Is it Hyde the naughty one? I don't. I can't remember. I can't remember. Um, they um, they were useless Monday night for, 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 for pretty much most of the game, apart from nine minutes. We were bashing you in the WhatsApp. <laughs> I, do, you, do you know what? Oh, it, and I think I went to wash up and I came back and it was 3-1. Right. So this is what <laughs> was happened. I And this is so bad. But so uh, I, I saw the first, I saw the West Ham goal and I thought, do you know what we are we were playing so badly it was just the first half was just awful awful and was. and do you know what we've been arsenal have been pretty bad for most of the season and and the past couple of years something's been off and we all know that but this this was really really quite poor so i actually turned it over for a bit went on youtube you didn't came back and it was, I think that's when it was 2-1. And I was like, what on earth has happened? I'll that tell you quickly? the truth. I didn't go into the washing up. What I did was, <laughs> what I did was, is I, I, uh, I rung my mother. Oh. And she was also watching the game. Okay. And she said to me, oh, Arsenal, they're terrible, aren't they? And I was <gasps> like, mm, yeah, they are actually, mum. Well done. Yeah. Um, and then as we were talking, well, it was only a short phone call. Mm-hmm. They'd scored three goals. She started laughing. And she was going, oh, it's so nice for them, though, isn't it? It's <laughs> oh, nice. Oh, no, they've had not such the a, sympathy. They've had such a bad time, she said. It's good, it's good, isn't it? Yeah. Not obviously what you think if you're a hammer, but uh, definitely if you're if you're an Arsenal fan, at least you've got three points on the oh. board. Uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, 5-11 after 18-8. Does that say more about those that are around him? What is their problem at the moment, do you think? Um, <clears throat> conceding too many goals for starters. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's 1.5 goals a game on average they're conceding. So we we know that anyway about Arsenal defensively. They didn't sort those issues Awful. at the start of the season. I look at them with the ball. 
Okay, it's, so, so it's, oh, oh, let's go back to that because we've been saying this for about 20 years. Mm. Arsenal's defence is rubbish. So who's the man to come in and, and sort that out? Because Freddie Lundberg is not going to be yeah. the long-term manager, it, is he? I mean, because, no. you know, th- this time they don't need an, an, an underwear model because some of the football's been pants. If it was me, <laughs> I'd be going for Nuno Espirito Santo from Wolves. Okay. I think he's an outstanding manager, um, tactically. You look what he's done with that Wolves team. Um, difficult to beat score goals the recruitment there has been very good I'm not saying he's mm-hmm. been involved in all that himself because they've got a super agent of course but Arsenal have a similar kind of model done this I think he would fit in with that side of things perfectly you look how he's kind of married that team together players from the championship stepping up and making them better but then bringing in the likes of Neves why would Martino. he leave exactly what Arsenal. I was just going to say agree I think he's brilliant why would he go well Arsenal are a bigger <laughs> club a Wolves, yeah, a Wolves but... I think Wolves can challenge for Champions League probably in the next four or five years if they keep investing. But And they will keep investing. And they will investing, keep investing. Which, yeah. which is what Arsenal aren't doing and won't do. And I read this morning, John Cross of the Mirror, a good friend mm. of uh, TalkSport, turning around and saying, you know, Arsenal have got a number of different options, but they've got very little money to spend. So they've got to go for a relatively cheap option who is not going to say, you need to buy me, blah, 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 and blah. So who do they go for? But then it's just going to be a a constant thing of you get someone else in, like Unai Emery, and it's just not going to be good enough. That's so pointless, saying, oh, we don't have the money, so we'll get I mean, I don't understand how they don't have the money. Well, I mean, that's what baffles me as well. But, you know, if I'm Nuno, I get what you're saying. Arsenal is, of course, a bigger club. It is than Wolves, but... Arsenal right now is such a risk as a manager and as a manager where you're very successful right now and doing very well, I wouldn't go to Arsenal. It's not a risk if you're Carlo Ancelotti, is it? Because <laughs> you've just lost your job for yeah. no good reason no. at Naples. Um, you are a, a, He's brilliant at managing upwards. Mm-hmm. He's fantastic at being the diplomat. He's a nice bloke. Everybody likes him. He speaks English. He plays relatively good football. Chelsea were magnificent when he was in charge. Somehow got the sack when he finished second in a shoe cupboard in Goodison <laughs> Park. I don't understand. Never understood that. Um, so he he would be the perfect fit, I would have thought. I had a season with Freddie at West Ham as a player, and mm. I got to say, I mean, not that at that point. I was thinking oh, is that where about you got him. Your style tips from possibly, <laughs> possibly is a cool guy to be fair. Mm. But um, not that I was looking at that point thinking, oh, he's not going to be a manager. But just his persona and stuff, yeah. I never thought really. You know, I, I pictured him back in Sweden, just sitting outside a coffee shop or whatever, and just like just <laughs> slowly spending his millions, kind of yeah, <laughs> writing poetry or something. But um, and he kind of come after the game, almost saying as if it was a tactical masterclass, saying, "Oh yeah, well we waited for West Ham to get tired, and that's oh, when we won the game," kind of thing. But well, is that why you didn't run around for forty? <laughs> oh, do you know what I mean? It was, but for me, I don't think it's a risk taking the Arsenal job. What, they're in yeah. ninth. They're in ninth position. No, 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 no. I don't think it's a risk. If you're, if you're if you're a relatively good manager, you yeah. can go in there and sort. They've that got out, a good no squad. They've got a good squad of players. But then leaving a club when you're doing very well—that's a different question. Uh, that's what that. But that's what I mean in, in regards to Nuno. I think that he won't is leave a Wolves. Risk. No, no way I don't he'll think leave so. Wolves and go to I think Arsenal. he is a man of loyalty as well. Yeah. yeah. He strikes me as yeah. being that. So. Um, I'll, go- I'll agree with you. Arsenal have lost their last four Premier League meetings with Manchester City. The last time they lost five consecutive top-flight matches against any side, all in one go, was against Manchester United between September 1983 wow. 
in August 1985. Uh, Gunners not firing on all cylinders and looking for a new boss, but Liverpool are. Uh, we'll get to them in just a second because that's our game day uh, match at 12.30 this weekend. They take on Watford. But first of all, Sheffield United, who will be looking to take advantage of any Arsenal slip. Don't snigger. They take on Aston Villa. Sheffield United against Aston Villa. When Sheffield United and Aston Villa were promoted side-by-side side last season, many pundits expected big-spending Villa to be better equipped for life in the Premier League. A look at the table tells us the reality is very different, with the Blades sitting just two points off a European place and Villa languishing dangerously close to the relegation zone. United came from behind to end their four-match winless run away at the other top-flight new boys Norwich, and Chris Wilder will be confident of adding to Villa's woes. The absence of England defender Tyro Mings is a body blow for the visitors who come into the game on the back of their heaviest home defeat for the best part of four years at the hands of rampant Leicester. But in Jack Grealish, Villa do have a man in the form of his life and on a mission to force his way into England's Euro 2020 squad. So maybe all isn't lost for Dean Smith's men. Salah in the snow, Van Dyke's double, an explosion on firework night. Watford's last three trips to Anfield have seen them lose 5-0, 5-0 and 6-1. <laughs> Welcome back to the Premier League, Nigel Pearson. Um, I mentioned at the top of the programme that I thought it was about as left field as you could possibly get. Uh, a guy who'd just been sacked from a Belgian mid-table team coming into uh, to, to Watford. What's the, what's the thought process here? We're all shaking our heads. I don't think we know, Sam. Lucy? <laughs> yeah. um, uh, producer Lucy's just sitting in the corner <laughs> thinking about the Christmas parties. Like, Nigel who? Um, Your guess is as good as mine, Sam. Your uh, guess is as good as mine. I thought it was quite random as well. I, we were actually here doing the Friday night show when it was announced and we were all a bit a bit baffled, really. Did I, you think I, it was a typo? Well, I, do you know what? I just didn't even really hear his name sort of float, floating yeah. about, really. So it came kind of out of nowhere. And it's, I mean, it's such a big job again at Watford. But then again, because they're doing so badly, maybe... Can it can't get it worse. Be, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but he does deserve a little bit of respect, actually, doesn't he? Because this is a guy that saved Leicester City mm-hmm. in, in similar sort of circumstances. He managed to get them to win their last, what... T- I mean, they, they managed to, with 14 games of the season, they were finished, weren't they? Mm-hmm. And he managed to, to get up. them on this fantastic rise, which they continued, actually, and went on won the league the next yeah. year, which was, a, which was amazing. And he has to take a little bit of mm-hmm. the credit for that sort of form that they had. Um, but how does he attack this match going against Liverpool at Anfield? You cry, you stay just in the dressing write room. It off. <laughs> just write it off. Yeah. Um, I don't know, maybe maybe put 15 players out and up the rafters and <laughs> I really don't know. Um, listen, this season now, obviously they need points, but they'll just be looking near to, to just try and put in some sort of performance and come away confidence still intact what confidence is actually left I mean you look at Liverpool I think the last seven games against Watford they scored 25 goals Salah four goal five goals in four games against them Mane loves scoring mm. against them as well four and four um, so it's about keeping the score down he'll be looking for certain things he, I don't think he'd be looking to go there and necessarily obviously try and win the game he'll be about let's see let's have a look at my players let's see if they'll respond to me let's try a different system um, can we get the players understanding what I want? And I think the one thing with him as well, I think he strikes fear into players. He's got that switch as well. 
and I look at Watford, they've got so many. I think the dress room is a bit of a problem there. Mm. There's so many different characters and personalities. And, you know, Troy Dean, he kind of holds that dress room together. He's the guy that disciplines everyone. He's the one that puts people into line and stuff. And Nigel Pearson is capable of doing that. I think previous managers maybe have not had that kind of fear factor about them. And I think the players need a bit of discipline as well. They've got a good squad of players there. Um, again, you look at that squad and think, I can get this team playing if we can get more organised and defensively better. Um, not scoring enough goals for the players that they have in those forward areas. Um, so look, it's, it's a difficult job to, to try and galvanise the players, but he, he is capable. You know, his CV will prove that. Uh, one win in 16 league games all season. They oh. ship goals against anyone half decent. Liverpool are four points better off than at the same stage last season where... Well, they finished and ended up finishing second, and they were second at this stage with thirty nine points after fifteen games. Can anyone stop them? I mean, certainly not Watford. I think it's no disrespect to Watford, but it's just not going to happen, is it? It is quite literally the top versus the bottom of the table. Um, we all know Watford are just having an awful season. Liverpool are so good. And then when you're then having to go to Anfield as well, it's just... Do you know what? I'm really hoping that it's not an absolute killing because... Well, it, it usually could... is between these well, two. The, thing. The, the, only, the only thing I think might be slightly different is the Liverpool team might be yeah. different. They, they, they could rotate again because yeah. they've got they the Club will. World Cup yeah. coming up, the semi, the, the quarterfinal of the EFL Cup on Tuesday night. So many games in such a short, short space of time. Of course. I was just going to say that. But even when they play you know, more of their squad players. They play their sort of weaker side. They're still very good. Yeah. They're still. We saw that against Everton, I think, that they yeah. played, you know, a, 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 a weaker team. Yeah. Yeah, which, How embarrassing is that, by the way? It, I know. Exactly. And but, and they were good and they won and they scored some great goals. And, you know, that's the thing. They, they probably will be playing a weaker team, but that doesn't give Watford any more hope, in my opinion. The thing, thing with Liverpool is even when they're not very good, they still win as well. Yeah. Like, they're either Beginning great the and they can put five on you, or most yeah, most of the season they've just been finding a way, um, and that is a great trait to have. And I think yeah. the squad players in recent weeks have kind of surprised me a little bit. They stepped up, and you know, the Lana's come in, the Ox is scoring goals. Mm-hmm. Um, Naby Keita looks like the the fifty million pound player in the last couple of games that scored again um, in midweek in the mm-hmm. Champions yeah, League as well. Um, that's the only hope for Watford is they get Liverpool on an off day. They rotate the team off the back of the Champions League win or whatever. Um, and they get them on an off day, and if you've got to try and get through those first 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. If you concede early against Liverpool, then you know it's game over. Um, Liverpool are guaranteed to be top of the Premier League table at Christmas. Do you know the last three occasions of a team failing to win the title having been Ooh. top at Christmas? I'd say Arsenal are one of them. Oh, but, um, yeah, probably. <laughs> the last three. 2008, 9, 2013, 14 and 2018, 19. Um. Hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertzen the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertzen the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. 2008-9 was Liverpool. Yeah, I was going to say Liverpool. 2013-14 was Liverpool. And oh, no, Liverpool. No. And 2018-19. Liverpool. Right, to St Mary's where Let's Danny has been the Saints saviour and the Hammers are panicking about Pellegrini. It's Newcastle United 2, Southampton 1. Opportunity's goal, it really was. But from that build-up by Newcastle, do you know what? They might just sneak three points out of this game. It's Newcastle 2, Southampton 1. West Ham 1, Arsenal 3 is out finished. Arsenal back to winning ways for West Ham and Pellegrini. The pressure intensifies end of the game at Southampton on Saturday. West Ham 1, Arsenal 3. Of course, was not the result what they needed. Uh, we cannot uh, win a game here in our home games. I think that at bottom points. Really difficult to understand how the team, uh, team can change in five minutes. Oh, Danny, how did West Ham allow that game on Monday night to slip through their fingers? Because they're West Ham. <laughs> <laughs> it's as simple as that. For 60 minutes, I was sat there thinking, yeah, controlling the game. Um, Even then, though, they weren't very good. They no, were just they not weren't. as bad as Arsenal. No, yeah. they, they were slightly better. But, you know, that is West Ham for you. They, they can shoot themselves in the foot and the game can be gone within five, ten minutes, you know, defensively again. They're the worst team in the league for getting counter-attacked on. I've been saying this for, God, since Billich, Billich's last season, they're so bad when they're actually attacking um, and they and they turn the ball over. Teams just murder them. One, because they're not organised. Two, there's a lack of mobility. Three, the system they play as well. You know, Manuel Pellegrini going with his 4-4, Two four four one one. I feel sorry for Declan Rice and, and Martin Noble at times because both very good players, not the most athletic and mobile. Declan's obviously a little bit quicker, but, but at times too much work. Too much work. The spaces are too big to to cover. You look at the first Arsenal goal. And, and Martinelli that, scored. Is that because you've got Fournals, Allaire, Anderson all spread out, far too high up the pitch? No one gets back and helps out yeah. the defence, and you've got. Rice and Noble basically trying to do two mm. men's job each. 100%. Um, at times, just committing too many bodies forward. And, you know, Pellegrini does... He is an attacking kind of manager. Um, you just look at the makeup of their team. The, this, the balance is wrong. You know, too many number 10s in there. Didn't sign a central midfielder. Um, got rid of Obiang in the summer. Got Wiltshire in, obviously. But, mm. you know, you couldn't guarantee on him to play any number of games. They're short in there. They have to play those two all the time because they don't have any other options, really. Um, defensively, centre-back pairings changing all the time. There's no kind of continuity with the centre-backs. Full-backs change all the time. Um, it's just 
it, I, I, I can't see him surviving much no. longer than the weekend. Well, he'll get honestly. fired if he loses on Saturday, won't he? Well, you'd well, think so, saying, but, but I mean, I kind of thought it would maybe be game over when uh, the uh, the Arsenal loss on Monday night. I kind of mm. thought that that might have been the one, but apparently not. Um, I think the problem is, is going forward as well, you, you have good players. Well, West Ham, they have good players that, you know, they spent quite a lot of money as well on some of these signings, yeah. but they're not getting the no. goals. They're not something, they don't seem to have like a, a proper goal scorer that is, yeah. you know, gonna gonna push and really, really get those goals. And it's well, they just... had uh, Halaire, and at the, right at the beginning of the season, we're making packages here at Talk yeah. Sport for our yeah, yeah, day but... coverage saying that, you know, finally have they found their 20 goal a season striker for no. the first time since Tony Cotty or whatever. Yeah. But ultimately, the truth is, is that if you don't give a guy like that any service, it becomes disinterested very, very quickly. Yeah. 100%. Um, I think you look at Felipe Anderson as well. What has happened to this guy? Well, he's as on well? a gap year, isn't he? He is. So he's not he scored is. at all. Has no. He? Um, and it's not all his fault because I think part of it is the way West Ham play. Similar to Arsenal a little bit, they're quite methodical in, in possession. The tempo's slow. And if you look at Anderson, he's the guy with a real pace. He likes to play on a counter attack. He likes to get in one on one situations. And he's never in and around the opposition's 18-yard box. He gets the ball. He's almost playing like a, a 10 at times, mm. getting the ball in front of the pack defences, and that's not his game. West Ham need more counter-attacking threat if they're going to utilise him, and that's partly why he's not playing well. But, I mean, Haller didn't even start, did he? What no. was it? 40, 50 million. They're playing Antonio up front. Well, he's Arsenal. their best player, isn't he? Because he he's got the impact, the energy, the aggression. 100%. The problem is he can't, like a lot of them actually, can't, can't last fit. 60, 60 well, 70 the minutes. Thing. They're, they're slow. They're no like, they look, yeah. And just generally as a team, I think they just seem to lack that pace. Yeah. They do look a bit slow. Obviously, as well, Fabianski, we all know that that's been a big problem for them, of course. They've but... lost uh, one of their seven games in the Premier League this season with Fabianski starting in goal and they've lost seven of nine with a Polish Oof. stopper yeah. not being between the net. But I think we said on the pod last week that, I mean, he was making more saves than any other goalkeeper yeah. in the league, Fabianski. So there was still a problem there defensively. Oh, it's yeah. just that he was making a lot of saves. But they conceded 21 goals in the last 10 games. They won one in 10 and conceded 21 uh, coming up, the Dream Team picks with Romeo. Uh, first, the old romantic Sean Dyche himself meets the football purists from the northeast. Burnley against Newcastle. The fans may still be reluctant to sing his name, but you can't argue with the job Steve Bruce is doing at Newcastle. Supporters reacted in uproar when Bruce became Mike Ashley's chosen one to replace their beloved Rafa Benitez. The bookies didn't expect Bruce to see out the first six weeks of the season, but 15 games in and Newcastle are a massive eight points ahead of where they were this time last year under the fabled Benitez. If the informed Magpies can avoid defeat at Turf Moor, Bruce will also achieve something Benitez never did during his three-year reign at St James's Park by going eight Premier League matches unbeaten. Burnley boss Sean Dyche will be expecting a reaction from his team to their dire display in the 5-0 thrashing at Tottenham. The Clarets are rapidly becoming the league's most unpredictable side, winning handsomely one week and getting battered the next. So which Burnley will we see this weekend? Ah, it is the TalkSport Christmas party tonight. Nicole Holiday is here <laughs> and she's been busting out her moves in the yes, last I few have. seconds. You are so welcome, What's guys. What's warming up? What's limbering up? <laughs> yeah. Keep a good three or four foot around her. <laughs> Those elbows are sharpened. 
Um, uh, Danny Gabadon is here with me too. Uh, which one are you going to offer to escort home, Romeo Butler? Uh, just because you want them to get safe back to their, their their abode, obviously, not for any other reason. Well, I've, been, I've not been invited. Oh, Cru- crucially, savage. not been invited. Oh. They've heard about your reputation. To, <laughs> to, to the party, so... Um, Instead, I'm I'm off down uh, a street in East London singing some right. carols with some mates. Oh, okay, oh. sorry. It's incredibly wholesome. And uh, <laughs> the first part of that sentence concerned me. I've got to be honest. <laughs> I'm off down a street in East London. <laughs> Pulled it back, though. Pulled yeah, yeah. it back. Just, well. just about. Just about. Just, just about. Sing some carols. Yeah. Um, it's a big Monday night fixture. Uh, Crystal Palace against Brighton. A massive grudge match. Crystal Palace lost this fixture last season, but haven't lost consecutive home league games against Brighton since December 1983. Who's going to inspire them to win? Well, I mean, it, it it should be another blood and thunder game. Their game against Watford at the weekend was was a lively affair, um, if not high high on scoring goals, obviously, or quality, a, or quality uh, for that matter, indeed. And I, I have a feeling that this one may be low on quality as well. Crystal Palace. By the way, congratulations to Martin Kelly because he's actually overtaken Wilfred Zaha as what? the top top point yeah. scorer in the in Dream Team this oh, season. Yeah. Wilfred star Zaha's, man last week, I think. Yeah, exactly. Star man. Wilfred Zaha's yeah. just down on 48 what? points and Kelly's up to 55 points. I, I actually points. think he's star man twice in two weeks. He was he star been. man when they went down to nine men uh, or ten men against... What was that when they went down Bournemouth. to ten men? Oh, yeah. yeah. Two, two weeks ago. It's Bournemouth, mm. yeah. yeah. And he, he played... There and they kept killing the sheet, and he got a star man that like that day yeah. as well. So well done to him. Um, he's yeah, as I say, he's Palace's top point scorer. Um, and I don't know if he'll be leading from the back, but you know, <laughs> yeah, um, it's hard to know where their points will be coming from. Zaha obviously turns it on against Brighton as well. He's the sort of player that gets I, up. For I've that got sort of a thing. message, Will, for that information. He will be absolutely. He'll be fuming, I'm sure. I'm <laughs> <laughs> really so. He will not be happy with that. Can you, can you do, do us a favour? Can you send him a text and tell him that in piece of information? <laughs> and what we'll do is next week on the programme, we'll read out his response. <laughs> <laughs> I won't get one, I don't <laughs> Neil Mopé has scored six uh, Premier League goals this season, three times as many as any other Brighton player. Um, would you put him in your dream team? Absolutely. Yeah. Hands down. He scored 13 points of the weekend, got a star man as well, 55 points in total, which is um, 20 points ahead of um, Dan Byrne in, uh, in in second place for, for Brighton. Um, he's been brilliant, actually, this season. Uh, his goal at the weekend um, against Wolves was fantastic. I'd be interested to know how... Uh, how Danny would have um, defended against uh, a striker scoring with such a quick... <laughs> it looked like it was kind of there on the out- outside of the box and then bang, yeah. it's in the in the net. It was almost as if um, nobody expected him to shoot, really. Yeah. The defender kind of just slowed down. It's almost saying, you're going to control it. And yeah. it was a great strike, to be fair, but obviously with my pace, I would have got there and he wouldn't have, wouldn't have even off. had the chance. Absolutely. Yeah. He scored against really Arsenal, well. didn't he, as well? He did, yeah. He's been, he's been great. And, and we're um, just focusing on his major achievements, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I, I mean, if if anyone's going to do it against Palace, I'd expect um, Mopay to uh, to do the business there. Uh, also, this week you're looking at Chelsea versus Bournemouth. Can you cherry pick any from Eddie's injury plague team, or is this all about to end in a sixth defeat in a row? I think it might. I mean, Bournemouth are absolutely lost. You look across the pitch, and you know players like Ryan Fraser this season. Has been brilliant in the last couple of years, but only got one goal, three assists so far this this campaign. Not not hasn't been that brilliant. Um, Diego Rico has been a bit of a standout player for them, but Callum Wilson hasn't really got it going. Uh, it's hard. It's really hard to pick Bournemouth players. I do think that this will probably be a sixth defeat. Having said that, you know Chelsea looked 
really soft against Everton and, and a bit shaky towards the end against Well, they conceded well. so many goals and, and yeah. they had another wobble, as you mentioned, in that game mm. against Lille in midweek. And Harry Wilson is back this week because he was just not available to play against his parent club. Um, and he's almost top scorer in the Premier League this season with six goals. Five of those have come away from home. So it's yeah. got to be worth picking in a game like this where you know that Chelsea are going to concede. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think he's always worth worth getting in your team. He's only 1.5 million in the game. So if you're trying to save a bit <laughs> of money around this Christmas period, yeah. then... Uh, other things but, to pay for. Exactly. And, like um, cabs home, so he's <laughs> walked by the Romeo. <laughs> he's a set-piece master, isn't he? Yeah, he's, br- he's absolutely brilliant. Um, but, I mean, I, I, I'm not fearful for Bournemouth quite yet but I think if this run of form does continue especially over the, the busy Christmas period then mm. they could be in a bit of trouble and it's the first time actually really in the Premier League no, that Eddie Howe's been, no. been under this every sort of pressure year. same well, yeah, thing they go through this little blip they have like mm. eight games where they don't win a game then they go and win seven of the next ten yeah. or something ridiculous it always yeah. happens but injury wise though they've got they have a got lot serious of, injuries yeah. Yeah. they've had some serious problems yeah and, and even up front as well with Wilson yeah. limping out that game against yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Liverpool and mm-hmm. Josh, Josh King King's a big miss. Picking up an injury on international duty, which I know Eddie was absolutely furious about. Uh, Tammy Abraham, 13 goals now yeah. in all competitions. Yeah, 132 points as well. I don't think wow. any of us predicted um, at the start of the season that Tammy Abraham would be um, doing quite this well. He's been picked uh, by 31% of teams as well, which kind of shows just how how much faith that Dream Team players... 31% of teams. Yeah. So a third of all Dream Team players have Tammy, have Tammy in their team. Yeah. Which I'm is not impressive. surprised. Tammy. Well, it shows, boy, Tammy. It kind of shows just how much faith that Dream Team players have uh, have in him now as well. Because he would have started the season, I don't know the exact figure, but probably around about the 3-4% mark. Nicole, just... have, have you interviewed him? I haven't. Have you? No, okay. have you? Yes, I have. And uh, it's one of those where you nice need boy. to take a ladder with you. Yeah, he's He's so he? tall. Mm. He's absolutely huge. And he keeps growing. Every time I speak to him, <laughs> I have to take an Hello. extra block. <laughs> I need to look up his height because we discuss height on this podcast from oh, time to go. time. And I'm six foot three, so maybe... You're I'm not six foot three. He's not six I foot am. three. He keeps walking in here saying he's six foot three. <laughs> if you're six foot... You're wearing heels then if you're six foot three. I'm six foot three, but... As I often say, oh, I'm terrible in the air as well. I've never yeah. learned how to head a football properly because I've you don't need really, to. I've never really six foot three. <laughs> I six take, foot three and, I and take, jumps five foot five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but Tammy Abraham's, you know, he, he's he's been brilliant. I think actually Chelsea at the back as well. Um, worth a look. They've only kept one cleaning sheet in the last really eleven games, um, but this is the one to target because Liverpool went thirteen games without a clean sheet. Mm. Then. Rudiger's back. He's the main man. Yep. He is um, indeed. Uh, Chelsea have lost three of their last four Premier League fixtures, though, so it's a bit of a concern for Frank Lampard, who just about got over the line on Tuesday night. Although I must admit, I think it was quite nervy. Uh, right, a Portuguese pair up in the Black Country. Nuno Espirito Santo heralds Jose Mourinho for teaching him how to win when he played under the Tottenham manager at Porto. On Sunday, Nuno will be bidding to prove he is the Premier League's new special one by getting the better of his mentor and fellow Portuguese. Any fears Mourinho's Spurs revolution have reached the end of the road were extinguished emphatically with their resounding win at home to Burnley. But Jose will know this will be a much stiffer examination against a Wolves side enjoying their longest undefeated run in the top flight for 57 years. 
The fact they've managed to go 11 matches unbeaten while balancing the demands of the Europa League is nothing short of miraculous and it's shaping up to be another excellent season at Molyneux. Spurs, meanwhile, have got themselves within six points of the top four and with Chelsea wobbling, Mourinho will be aiming to reduce that gap still further this weekend. The fox in the box. Jamie Vardy has scored in each of his last eight Premier League games. Just three short of his own competition record set in November 2015. The only other occasion of a player scoring in nine consecutive games in the Premier League was... Rude Van Nistelrooy. Ten in a row in August 2003. But uh, Jamie obviously already has 11 on uh, his name from 2015. He wants more. And Leicester are sort of fox in the hen house, aren't they really? Because they are the only ones that can really stop Liverpool and they can keep the pressure up on them over mm-hmm. this congested period because, you know, they've got Everton, yes, uh, they've got uh, Manchester City before that game, which is a key fixture, but that big game on Boxing Day, the clash of the Titans, is going to be amazing, isn't it? And that's live on TalkSport, by the way. <laughs> I can't wait for that. I mean, do you know what? At the start of the season, I it's not that I'd written Leicester off as kind of battling out for that those top spots, but I didn't really think of them as being one of the contenders for, you know, those sort of first and second places in the Premier League. And they are, they've been brilliant. Vardy is just on absolute fire at the moment. I think they've won, what, eight eight games in a yeah, row? club record eight in a row. But Brendan yeah. Rodgers has got to get some credit for that, hasn't oh, he? Oh, yeah. And do you know what I quite like? Because obviously he's been linked to Arsenal a fair bit. And he was kind of asked about his contract and he was a little bit, you know, he kind of said, uh, I, I can't remember what he said, but he didn't shoot it down. Give me a new one. Please. Well, yeah. And then and then obviously he's now <laughs> clever got a new, Exactly. It was so clever. But he's been absolutely brilliant. They are looking so great. So, so strong. Um, and then coming up against Norwich, who are very, The opposite very of so, so strong. Exactly. Yeah. So, so <laughs> weak. Um, Norwich keep conceding goals. Mm. Leicester keep scoring goals when you're coming up against Jamie Vardy. It's well, it's not going to be um, a great game for Norwich by any means, is it? it? It's going to be nine successive goals for, for Vardy, guaranteed. Because yeah. Norwich just ship goals in for fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, one away win, I think it is, conceding over two a game. One win in 11 games. You can only see... One way. The way Leicester are playing, unbeaten mm-hmm. at home, Vardy banging. He's Brendan Rodgers is an outstanding manager. Mm-hmm. I outstanding. remember at the beginning of the season, TalkSport having a debate about um, Norwich City and saying, you know, I think it was Adrian. I can't remember if it was. I'm guessing it probably, probably. was. Um, suggesting that they, you know, if they play the way that they did in the Championship season, they would end up getting battered and it would be a disaster. And they need to be better equipped for coming up into the division. And the local journalists in Norwich were very quick to, to, to jump on the bandwagon and say that's ridiculous. Actually, the football that we play will be better suited to the Premier League. Well, Adrian, not for the first time, has actually been proved right. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do look to me as if they probably either knew that coming up was going to be difficult and they'd just come here for the paycheck, go back and rebuild again. Not saying that that mm. necessarily was their, mm. their, their plan, but knew that that was their fallback option. Or, or they were just completely underprepared. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think they were looking at it that way. Um, they don't have the investment. Um, well, they, they overspent the last time they came up, didn't they? Yeah. And it crippled and them financially, and they had to be did. very careful yeah. about that. So there's been a few teams that have tried to do that and survive. You know, Cardiff tried to do something similar last season. Um, I'm sure they thought with their style of play, um, you know, they think it would be suited to the Premier League, and they'd be able to maybe survive just on that more than actually, you know, spending lots and lots of money. But the problem for Norwich has been 
they haven't beaten the teams around them. You know, mm. I thought they would pick up some wins against the, the lesser sides playing the way they have, but they've lost a lot of games to teams around them as well. Um, and so that's the worry, really. So credit to them in a way because they stick to their beliefs and they won't change for any team, which is commendable and, and, and nice to see. Well, but it's, it's not really it's, but it's, gonna, but it's not working. No, but it's going to cost them a bit their stupid, Premier League status at the end of the day. Um, but that just seems to be what they're thinking. You know, some managers would change and adapt and become more defensive and stuff, but it just seems as if that's going against all, all Daniel but Farker's principles. I don't principles, understand why, so. t- why there is a need to be wedded to principles. Surely yeah, the no. whole idea of being in a football division is to either stay in that football division or trying to win it. Ultimately, if you are just going to say, well, no, no, we just want to turn up and look pretty, but if we get beaten every single week, it doesn't matter. I don't really, that's not sporting competition, is it? So all, all this sort of like sacrificing principles or... You know, Sacrifice them! Just just, just <laughs> do it. You know, ultimately, you, you, you want to stay in the division. If you, they stay up by a point at the end of the season, then their coffers will be refilled even more. Mm. And I think the fans will be a lot happier than, you know, the idea of Marco Stieperman and Vrancic playing lovely little triangles in the middle of the park, won't they? I don't know. You'll have Surely. to ask no, you'll have to ask the fans because I speak to a lot of fans, you know, their team in the championship, you know, Swansea for instance, and they're having a much more enjoyable season this season in the championship because they're winning more games. Um, young players are getting opportunities than when they were, were in the Premier League fighting down the bottom and scrapping for points. So I don't know. You'll have to ask a fan on that one. Well, let's um, ask a fan who doesn't win anything. Can your team try to play pretty football, Nicole? Wow, wow. <laughs> I wondered where we were going there. Um, I mean, I just think, like like you're kind of saying, Sam, if it's not working, if you're conceding that many goals, surely you need to, surely you look at your team and you go, right, we, something needs to change here. We need to work on something. We need to adapt to being in the Premier League, to conceding this much. You can't, I feel like you can't just stick mm. by your principles you, and try and carry on the yeah. way you're playing because it's not working. You do need to that you know Sheffield United have done that under Chris Wilder you know, and they look great yeah but look how well they're doing mm. yeah unbelievable but he's made a little tweak in midfield where he played with a number 10 and two strikers last season this season he's playing with a flat three because he realizes we you know we have to be a bit more together a bit more compact um and that's worked for them so there, there's the argument for that as well so Okay, uh, Norwich and Watford fighting out for bottom spot at Christmas I wonder whether or not those two are already down right here we go It's time for the commentator's curse. This week we will put the mockers on some poor individual or team with a statistical reason why they're, they're bound to have a great weekend. But you know what happens with the commentator's curse. As soon as you start talking someone up, <laughs> they fall flat on their face. Uh, here is uh, Danny Gabadon with his one. I mean, and also we've, we've asked him, what's your commentator's curse this week? And he said, oh, no, no I'm not telling you. I know, what was that about? <laughs> Do you know what that is? That's called teasing. He's desperate. Come on, he, he, then. He's desperate to outdo Crook from last week, who came up yeah. with a very good one about vampires. <laughs> yeah, mm. I, I got my commentator's curse was wrong. So I said Rashford last week on okay. commentator's curse, and obviously he scored. So um, I'm having a nightmare at the minute. But this week, I'm going to go with Joe Ellington. Ooh. Newcastle, as we as we know, um, away to Burnley. Forty million pounds from Hoffenheim. Sixteen games, one goal. Great return. 24 shots, only six on target. That's 25% shooting accuracy. 
His minutes per goal, 1,192. That's rivaling yours. Shots per game, two. Shots per goal, 24. 0.21 goals per game. He has more yellow cards than goals. <laughs> oh, God. Wait, hold on. And you're I'm not saying finished he's going to score? I'm not finished yet. I'm not finished yet. <laughs> Nicole. I'm saying early. he's not going to score, okay. and he probably will now. <laughs> Tackles, 10. Right. Block shots, 5. Clearances, 19. Headed clearances, 12. And this, I'm questioning whether he's actually a striker or not. Because <laughs> they're sent to our stats. And secondly, I'm questioning whether he's Brazilian. <laughs> his stats. So there's no way anybody can tell me that he is going to score against Burnley on the weekend. Going to score a blinder. Oh, dear. That's, that's killed Beat me. Beat that. <laughs> Well, Nicole. okay, I feel like I'm clearly getting this a bit wrong then, the commentators can. You can go either I, way. Okay, yeah, because I'm going for Rashford because I do think that he is likely to score. Yeah. Um. So he's obviously scored two goals against Spurs recently, got a goal in the Manchester derby, in great form, scoring goals. And, of course, United are playing against Everton, which, apart from potentially a, a fluky win last weekend... They're, they're very poor at the moment, Everton. So, you know, Rashford, he's going to get a goal. He's had 10 Premier League goals so far, and he's definitely, definitely going to put one past Everton. <laughs> 10, 10 Premier League goals this season, which is the same number of goals that he scored in the entirety yeah. of last season. He's been very, Great. very impressive. I'm focusing on that match as well. Ooh. Everton going to Old Trafford this week. Now, when he was a swashbuckling striker, <laughs> big dunk, the caretaker manager, scored more Premier League goals against Manchester United than he did against any other really? side. Interesting. Seven goals in 16 games against them. And remember, at this time, it's not Manchester United of their current ilk scrapping around against the Champions League. This is Manchester United winning titles, mm -hmm. doubles, Peak. trebles, Champions Leagues. This is Fergie. This is Giggs. This is Beckham. This is Butt. This is Skulls. Now, I've got a feeling that Big Dunk is going to cause a problem or two for Jolly Olly at Manchester United this week because, you know, they haven't won three Premier League games in a row, Manchester United, under the Norwegian for nearly a year. And, let's be honest, Fergie winging at Old Trafford sounds a little bit familiar to me. What do we reckon? Yeah, I quite like that. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. It's not as good as Danny's, but you know, <laughs> we'll get there. Right, that's it from us. Uh, game day's got three Premier League games for you back to back on TalkSport and TalkSport 2 this weekend, including Liverpool against Watford to start us off, uh, Chelsea against Bournemouth on two, and then at 5.30, that big relegation clash between Southampton and West Ham United. All the matches as well are available around the world on Premier League Live. You can subscribe to this lovely masterpiece via Apple, Acast, Spotify and Google and we will give you the gift of an audio piece of gold more often than Liverpool play football matches and with about as much rotation of the key players as well. Liverpool, um, Liverpool, Laura Woods, Adrian Durham and Danny Kelly star over the weekend and I'll see you next week. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Now hold that please, level five, thank you. 
Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi, nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertz and the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertz and the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how.